Um, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank you for your many blessings. God, lead and direct in all things. Lord, we just pray that you would be with me this morning. Lord, that you would give me the words to preach. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I am um, preaching a message on uh, an article that I've now written for the paper called The Silent Church, Allowing Evil to Triumph. We're in cancel society today, and uh, everybody's being canceled, everybody's being shut down and tried to shut up, unless you toe the line, you kowtow to the media, you kowtow to the government, and you do what the loud and liberal people tell you to do, and, um, and that's just not, it's not acceptable in the sight of God. And so what we need is we need to make sure that um, we are expressive and that we do not allow anything, whether society, government, media, whoever it is, to shut us down. Edmund Burke once declared, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And that's where we are today. Scripture in Ephesians 5.11 echoes that truth by instructing us and saying in Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So you you and I are supposed to reprove the works of darkness. These admonitions highlight the perils of apathy and inaction. And that in the face of wrongdoing, you you can't be apathetic. Um, You can't be inactive. You can't uh, can't be silent. Silence enables harm to spiral upward and onward and eventually out of control. This is a proven fact in this country. The reason things are the way they are and the country's gone in the direction that it's gone is because good people have been silenced. When you look out there and you realize that the most vocal people many times are, and the loudest are those that hate God, those that hate good. Faith Independent Baptist Church, us, is not going to remain silent and we're not going to remain on the sidelines. Your pastor will not be silenced out of fear or out of convenience. When the Pharisees asked John who he was, he said in John 1.23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as saith the prophet Isaiah. I am not John the Baptist. Obviously, I'm wearing a suit and it's pretty comfortable when the air conditioning's on. We're not preparing the way of the Lord in the literal sense like John was, but we preach Christ a message the world does not understand, does not comprehend, but needs to know. My first point, look at John chapter 15. Knowledge makes people accountable. You see, the more that you 
bring the light of knowledge, the light of truth into the world, the less the darkness can overtake it. If I shut out all the lights, you all would start screaming for one, but if I shut out all the lights and then brought a candle in, the candle gets rid of the darkness. Now, it can be dark over there and dark back there and dark in that room back there or even in the sound room. But that light, wherever it goes, gonna, is, the darkness flees. And that's what truth is. Truth is light. And when you bring light in, darkness can't remain. Pulpits need to proclaim the church's necessity to be proactive about not remaining silent in the face of societal changes and issues. How in the world did we ever get to where men acting like women was okay? Not only okay, but looked at as admirable. A loser swimmer can become a winner among the opposite sex. And notice I said opposite because his sex didn't change. I don't care if he has a sex change operation. It didn't change. There's X and Y chromosomes. And so far, so far, (laughs) I should say that, They hadn't figured out how to change that. Now, that's probably down the road. I still say it's not going to change anything. Because God made them male and female, and you can't change what God made. Now, you can fake it a little bit. Maybe you can even change the chromosome, which I'm thinking they probably can and probably have and probably will. But it doesn't change the reality of it all. John 15, 21. Knowledge makes people accountable. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not Him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. When truth comes in, there's no cloak for your sin. When you find out the Bible says, Thou shalt not lie, and you are an habitual liar, you have no cloak for your sin. That's a simple one, by the way, because I hate to tell you, we all do a little bit of lying. Thou shalt not kill. I'll give you a way out on this one. You know, of course I know that one. But you know, there are people in religion, with religion a big part of their life, that kill. Whole religions are formed around exterminating the infidel. There are whole religions that are formed around you go ahead and do what you're going to do. You come to a priest, you confess to him, he gives you absolution and says, You're all right. I got to tell you, there's no cloak for your sin, even if a priest goes, Hosh the Shambai, untie your bow tie, which, whatever that is, it was, it, it was Latin. You just, can't, you just can't recognize it. It's actually tongues. Knowledge, <laughs> this is a serious message. <laughs> I'm telling you it is. And I'll get back to the seriousness in a minute. You've got to enjoy coming to church though. And therefore, we're going to have a good time. Even in the seriousness of the matter. 
And the seriousness of the matter is the church can't remain silent. That's it. Now, I can put a smile on my face and not be silent. Knowledge with discernment enable everyone to identify evil. You can identify evil because of the Bible. I remember when I was in college, I, I wrote a paper. It was in a, a criminal justice class. I, I love the law. would have become a lawyer if I thought it was a profession that I could come in and go, hey, yeah, I'm an attorney. I'd just say, hey, I'm a CPA. And after Enron, I was like, yeah, I'm a CPA, if you know what I mean. In other words, we were supposed to be the ones that watched over and caught the crooked people. Now we just go in cahoots with them. They pay you enough money. Arthur Anderson, the largest CPA firm in the world, went under because they didn't do their job. Well, it used to be good to say I was a CPA because I wasn't an attorney. Now I don't know we're all about alike. Sin is sin. Knowledge enables believers to actively combat sin. It's important to recognize that faith calls for action, not silence. We are called to action. We are not called to say, well, you know, if we say something, we might offend the lost person, then they won't get saved. You know what that is? That's, that is putting that situation on a pedestal and saying it's more important than truth or God. You say, well, gospel, it's the most important thing. No, it's not. It's not. Truth is the most important thing. What's the gospel? Truth. What is truth? Truth. You can't look at it and go, well, I need to be silent because I might hurt somebody's feelings. And if I hurt their feelings, they may not come to Christ. Therefore, I better not say anything because I, you know, they think I'm judging them. Listen, let them think whatever they want. Truth is truth. And you and I need not remain silent. Number two, look at James chapter 4. Knowledge forces people to choose. You see... Knowledge makes people accountable because they have no cloak for their sin, but knowledge also forces people to choose. When the pulpits cause the church to remain silent, ignorance prevails, yet God does not give a pass just because people are compliant or complacent. James 4.17 Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. To him that knoweth to do good and you don't do it, it's a sin. Constantly guard against spiritual complacency. Silence fosters ignorance. Speaking out promotes understanding. There's no other easier way to say it. Third thing. If you're wondering, I have about 25. However, I only printed the first four pages, which contain 10, so I will go no further than that unless I have a very, very good memory. And I don't. Three, preachers must never hesitate to proclaim the whole counsel of God. Look at Acts chapter 20. The whole counsel of God. 
Paul is speaking in Acts chapter 20, verse 27. He says this, he says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Most people are like Pilate. Jesus standing before him, they don't grasp the essence of truth. And Pilate asked Jesus, he says, what is truth? Jesus said, I am the truth. The truth is the person of Christ, and when we fail to speak truth, we fail to preach Christ. Some say that pastors should not speak out lest we scare off the visitors or we offend them. I am all for not scaring anybody off. I am all for not being personally offensive. But there is one thing that will offend people, and that is truth. And there's nothing you can do about it. Now, there is a way you can present truth, which is more palatable, and it's okay to make it palatable. You don't have to choke a baby with meat. But you do need to give out truth. Should we speak less truth because it might turn off a lost person? I say no. I think we need to speak more truth. I think people that are really looking for answers are looking for the truth. And when they hear the truth, they respect the individual that's giving it. And then they open up their mind and heart. And then you can give them the gospel and say, Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. He shed His blood on the cross. He became sin for you who knew no sin, that, he might, that you might be made the righteous of God in Him. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be righteous? Do you want to be right with God? Accept Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. You say, well, boy, that might, that might offend somebody. Well, there you go. There you go. You say, well, you're lost. I'm lost. And they ask you, what happens to lost people? I don't want to mention hell. Well, they don't go to heaven. See how you do that? And then they go, well, if they don't go to heaven, where do they go? Well, Jesus is up there. They can't go to be with God. And they'll never see Jesus. Well, if I never see Jesus after I die, where did I go? Sooner or later, sooner or later... (laughs) I notice I'm doing that a lot. I don't know if I'm, I don't know what's going on in my brain, but my brain is not staying up with my tongue. Sooner or later, they're going to ask you the right question. And you're going to have to say, listen, you're going to go to hell. Now, I don't say that to everybody, but given the right question, given the right opportunity, I'm going to have to say, you will go to hell. Well, if I go to hell, what happens to me in the future? Well, there's no water in hell. Is there fire? Yes. Will I burn up? No. Your soul is indestructible. The rich man in hell looked up being in torments, the Bible says. So you see... There's truth that, that you look at and you go, well, well, don't, you don't, okay, you can tell that truth because that's part of the gospel. But don't tell this other truth over here that a man's a man's, a woman's a woman, and the two can't change. You can't say that truth because you might offend somebody. Do you realize how offensive I've been in just telling the gospel? You can't, 
You can't look at these things from your human perspective and go, well, we just need to compromise and we just need to get along and we just need to agree to disagree. I don't ever, I don't want to agree to disagree. Right is, wrong, right is right, wrong is wrong, and you just have to stand on the truth and say, listen, I'm going to do what I can not to be offensive. So today, what do we have? We have the cancel culture. We live in it. Recently, a critic called me the uh, political pastor. That was saying it's an ill-advised mixture of faith and politics. I seized upon that opportunity right there, and I wrote some stuff out there, and I wrote this article. It's in the article. And I affirm my passion for my children, my grandchildren in this world. I affirm my passion for uh, this city this county, this state, and our country, and really the world. And I said, because of that, you can call me a political pastor if you want. You're not going to hurt my feelings. It's pretty hard to do. And if you do, the good thing is you don't, you don't get to last more than 12 to 24 hours. You just don't. Because I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to hate anybody. I'm not going to try to get revenge on anybody. It comes on me and I go, okay, now what did I do wrong? Something, nothing, or in the middle? Usually in the middle. And I assess everything. I listen to everything everybody says and I look at it and I say, hey, is there something in my life I need to fix? Because there's an element of truth in everything. I mean, if somebody came and said, I'm tall, that is true. If I had a dwarf next to me, and I know you can't use the word, oh, man, the new, the new Disney movie, they're getting rid of dwarfs. Why? Oh, because you can't have a movie out here with dwarfs. Somebody might think that you're making fun of them. You know why Snow White was called Snow White? Because her skin was Snow White. Do you know I heard that they're, they're, they're going to put a, a what? Hispanic, I was thinking of Mexican. They're going to put a Hispanic, because I always get that confused. Hisp she's not Snow White anymore. And they're the dwarfs. But oh, you've got to be accepting of everybody, and they've got to be every size and every kind to make sure that everybody's accepted. Well, then go ahead and lose $900 million or billion dollars. Look. What they're trying to do is come at you from every angle because sooner or later they're going to win. Bud Light lost. Target lost. Disney's losing. But guess what? They are not done. They all have one source out there, and that source is, is controlling them and telling them what to do. And they've got a couple of sacrificial lambs, the ones I've just mentioned, but, soon, but I've seen Chick-fil-A go that route. Mm, what a shame. Christian chicken now is gone. It's not going to be Christian chicken anymore. I'll probably still eat some of it. Zaxby's might get a little more business now. I don't know. But it's all corrupt. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you say, well, I'm just going to not say anything? No, I have boycotted Bud Light. <laughs> I have boycotted, boycotted Target. 
If I walk in there, it's just going to be Target from now on. I used to give it that French thing, make it sound like it was some type of special place. I don't go to Target anyway. Hey, I got a question. Oh, my. How do you boycott Bud Light when you don't drink? <laughs> <laughs> well, John, that's why everybody laughed. Boycotting for a long time. I've been boycotting that. Oh, I saw, so I was watching, and you've got you to gotta hear, it's about Bud Light. And, and I should have, I almost put it on my Facebook page, but it was... Uh, the 19, um, 1994? 1994 Penn State team. And they had a Bud Light commercial on there. And, it was my, and Heather was there, and, and she's listening to music in her, the rocking chair, and she looks up, and, she's, and I'm wondering, is she watching this? Because it's as funny as can be. And anyway, she rips out the earbuds, and she says, that's when they were funny. You know, what, 30 years ago? Yep. Yeah, and, it, and, and, and the funny thing is, I don't ever watch commercials, and I fast, so then later on, they were all car commercials. It was the Bonneville, and the, I mean, it was the car, my, she was looking at it going, oh my gosh, they made cars like that, and advertised them, and people bought them, and paid money for them, and, you know, so I started fast forward, but I saw that Bud Light, and I can't just put it on my page, although it is really funny. I mean, it's a, it, 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 you shoot back to that more innocent time, and we were. You, you shoot back 50 and 60 and 70 years ago to an innocent time in this country and you just yearn for those days, but now you've got the internet and everything is so fast. You've got, you know, you've got Twitter and Facebook and social media everywhere and all this stuff happens and you just look at it and they can change the minds of people just like that. And that's what they've done. They're influencing people like that. Look at Ezekiel 33. Some people say the church or pastors can't speak about certain things. I disagree. If the church lets the world muzzle us, then evil rises to the top and becomes the only voice. So if I can't talk about this trans thing because it's politically unacceptable, and because now they call it a political thing. Oh, by the way, you know what abortion is? They say, well, abortion's Political. No, it's not. It's moral. It's spiritual. It's baby killing. So how do you sit... So what the world does, they say, well, no, that's political, Pastor. You need to stay out of there. Lyndon Johnson in the 1950s passed that 501c3 thing, and you need to stay out of politics. Well, first of all, it doesn't muzzle anybody in a pulpit unless they want to be muzzled. The law itself. The only thing the law really does is says, I shouldn't get up here with a tax exempt organization, which is a charitable organization, and tell you who to vote for. And I would never do that. I would never tell you not to vote for Biden. Again. Again. I would never tell you that Kamala Harris is the worst vice president we've ever had by far. And I sit there and I... So what I do is I watch YouTube every now. I watch a clip and a clip and a clip. So they have the best clips on there. And I just watch the clip and I go, what did she say? We are in the moment. And the moment is for today. And because today is the moment of the day, then you should watch the moment carefully. Because this moment won't be tomorrow. 
might be. I won't repeat that somebody has said it might be her cocaine. And we really need the peanut gallery to stay out of my message. Number four, it is the duty and responsibility of each of us to be God's watchman. Ezekiel 33, verse 6. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people are, uh, be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. I am supposed to be a watchman. I am supposed to stand up and say truth is truth, wrong is wrong, right is right, this is the way it is, and black is black, white is white, gray can be out there, but there's not as much gray as we sometimes attribute to it, meaning things are really more cut and dry. Abortion is murder. Okay? I don't make exception. You say, well, what about rape and incest? I don't make an exception. Why? What did that child do? What did that child do? Oh, that, that child will be raised in a hateful home. That's not true. There are children that are born, that are raised in a, in a family, at, or not a family, in a, a mother-father relationship that abuse those children. It happens in hundreds of thousands of homes with no rape, no incest. And now we're going to look at it and go, well, see, what they've done is they, they back you into a corner. What about that? And if you're a politician, you know what you've got to say? Well, you know, I've got to give exception to that. Why? The Bible says that she's with child or great with child, and there is no gray area in between. So what do I say? Abortion is murder. Period. And there are no exceptions. Now, what happens if a young lady is convinced that it's a glob of of whatever, it's a fetus, it's this, it's that. You love her. Then you love the young man that, that, that encouraged it. And you, and, and you love him. But you don't look back and go, well, I'm going to turn a blind eye to it. And, oh, well, it's my, my child or my this or my that. Sin is sin. And you call it sin, but you know you've got to love the sinner. And so you do. And you show them Christ. And you show them the love of Christ. And you don't condemn them. And you don't hate them. But you still got to stand up for truth. You say, well, you might run somebody off and hurt them. So what do you do? And you go, well, what about the child? That's what you do. There are innocents everywhere. Missions, so we looked at this watchman. Missions is the heart of God. God, I believe, chose America not for its inherent worthiness, but for its global ability to shine a beacon of hope. I was studying uh, World War II yesterday and how it, how it went through and Rommel and Patton and, and the battles and the, and Japan and Vietnam and, and, and how we, you know, we had them, at, they beat us at Midway terribly. And then they, you know, then we wiped them out. We, we sank three of their four carriers and then went after the fourth one and sunk it. And you just watch how all that went in. I watch it from the perspective of, of, of how much man can do to destroy humankind. I watch it because I want to know how a man, uh, Hitler, was able to convince 
millions of people to follow Him. You know what the churches did? The churches went to Romans 13. And they, they, they were Lutheran churches. And Martin Luther was just against this thing about churches' involvement in politics because he had seen some abuse of it. So he erred on the far side. And all the Lutherans backed off and said, well, you know, what we got to do is sing louder because the trains are going by with all those Jews on there crying out. And this is literally what happened. How can that happen? Because people failed to preach the truth. Because you had a few that would do it and the cost of speaking up became much greater because there were so few speaking up. The more you have speaking up, the, more, the less cost it is for the individual speaking. And what we've got to do is we've got to decide no matter the cost, we're not going to allow the world to shut us down. The beacon dims when the voices opposing destructive agendas are silenced or neutralized. We will not be silenced. We will not be neutralized. You say, what if they come in and tell us they're going to shut us down? Shut us down. We'll figure out how to get around it. Shut us down. Close these doors. Latch them. And then let me come up and take a picture of it. And you take a picture of it. And you take a picture of it. And you put it out there and you say, this is what the government is doing. This is where it's going. And yes, continue to speak up and speak out. Albert Einstein once wrote, the world's a dangerous place to live in. Not because of the people who are evil, but because of the people who don't do anything about it. Silence in the face of evil is sin. That's just the way it is. Look at Isaiah chapter 55. God severely rebukes the watchman in Isaiah 56, actually. Look at verse 10. Look at what he says here. The watchman is supposed to warn the people. His watchmen are blind. They are ignorant. They are dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Now, when you say dumb dogs, they, you know, they can't, it doesn't mean they're dumb. They're, they're dumb. Can't speak. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his gain from his quarter. It's all about the money. Follow the money. Follow the money. As believers, we have a responsibility to guide others toward righteousness. The fifth thing, look at Matthew chapter 5. Christians are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, highlighting the role of the church in society. Matthew 5 verse 13. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? So if salt isn't salty anymore, what good is it? I like salt on my steak, my potatoes, and my eggs. I don't know why. I just do. I don't put them on green beans. I don't put them on grits. (laughs) 
Sorry. Let me move on. Let me move on. I'm getting, I'm getting controversial now. Verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is uh, set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. By the way, if you make me green beans, you can put salt on there, and I just don't add any extra. Okay, now I'm, now I'm clear. 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's all about glorifying God. So you're a light. You're a light on a hill. Let people see your light so they can glorify God. Christians need to choose to be salt and light. As Christians, we're responsible for shaping our nation's future. Refusing neutrality and upholding America's exceptionalism rooted in understanding the ultimate sacrifice that Christ made on that cross. Everything about me is about Jesus dying on that cross. I go to events and I get around people and my whole purpose in life is to understand where somebody is, where they need to be, and how I can get them from point A to point B. If they're lost, they need to get saved. If they're not living for the Lord, maybe I can offer them truth and help them. Maybe they're struggling in life and struggling with identity. Listen, I'd love nothing more than to you know, run into somebody that's struggling with their identity and just basically tell them, look, you don't need to struggle. God made you in His image. Then they'll say, well, God made me this way. No, He didn't. What the world is doing is they're elevating these trans things and saying they are what everybody needs to be. And then the more they do and the more they elevate them, the more the confusion of the younger saying, hey, I want attention, that's what I need to do. I want acceptance, that's what I need to become. And that's what they're doing to a whole generation. And the voices need to be out there that says, no, enough is enough. You're destroying the future generation. You're destroying America. You're destroying the things of God. It's got to stop. And yet you look at it and you say, well, the cost is high. There are going to be people that don't like that. What if somebody hears this message and decides that they're going to do something about it and they're going to come protest out here that faith in dependent Baptist is transphobic? Just don't do it on private property. That's why I put the sidewalks out there so you can have your own little space. Not really. I just realized they're out there and they're probably public property. So What? I guarantee they will not stop you from coming in the parking lot. I'll buy two tractor trailers. I will personally buy them. And I will, I will park them right along the edge where you drive in and say, that driveway's not, not, not public property. That's ours. And you all just come on and drive in. That parking lot's our property. You stay off of that property. You say, well, it's not, I don't care what happens. All I'm saying is we cannot be silent. And I ain't going to go buy two tractor trailers, so please don't hold me to that. I just realized I was spending Judy's retirement. 
We must have courage in the face of persecution. I I love my wife because she just smiles when I say something as stupid as that. Number six, and I'm not going to make it to ten. The good thing is, I already have two parts, if not three, so I'll just save it for later. Tonight, part two. Number six, the role of the church. Look at Romans chapter 12. We looked at this earlier in Sunday school. The role of the church is to resist societal pressures through personal transformation. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The pressure for conformity is great. Today, we must combat in this country an anti-nationalistic, globalist agenda. You see, we're, we're, we're a free country. We're not, a, we're not a global world. I mean, the United Nations never stopped one war. You do know that. The League of Nations before that didn't stop one war. In fact, when I was studying and Chamberlain and all that he did, you know, peace in our time, appeasement. What what we should have learned, and by the way, if you don't learn from history, you're condemned to repeat it. What we should have learned from Chamberlain and all that went on, and the fact they didn't listen to Churchill, was when you have appeasement, all you do is give way to the enemy. All you do is you try to make things more palatable. I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to be hateful. I don't want to be... I do want to be closed-minded. I'm okay with closed-minded. Jesus saves. Amen? You bunch of bigots. What about Muhammad? What about Confucius? What about all those other religions? You are closed-minded. You are bigoted. You are this. You are that. And that's what they'll tell you. So what? I'm closed-minded. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves. It's His death on the cross. And that's it. He is the way, not a way. He is the truth, not a truth. He is the life, not a life. No man, no man, no one comes unto the Father but through Him. What you going to do with that? I'm a bigot. I'm closed-minded, and you better believe I am. I don't need, and I've studied the other religions. In fact, in, in, in Bible college, I taught a cults class, which was cults and other religions. So I studied them all. Nero one's got anything to offer me. And by the way, you can say, well, aren't, aren't there groups that are really um, moral people? And therefore, because they're moral people... We ought to be more like them. I don't know if you've seen two guys on a bike, well, two bikes, in white shirts and ever had any interaction with them. I had interaction with them at the, at the senior center. They go there and they help people study their <clears throat> ancestry. Ingenious. Because they reel them in. little ancestry study. 
they reel them in, they reel them in. And I have never had one of those kids be disrespectful to me. They are moral people. In general, some of that's just outward appearance. Okay? You you studied out, there's a lot of stuff that went on behind it. You you look at, uh, what's the, who's the senator? Romney. Yeah. I mean... You go, well, he's a moral person. Great. What are you going to do with it? You look at it and you say, truth is truth. And the Bible says that if any angel comes and preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. Do you know what I think about Mormonism? It's accursed. That's bigoted. Do they have a new... Uh, religion, a new way? No, I'll tell you what they've got. You think about it. I was sitting at that table with that, those three Mormons and the two people from the church that shouldn't have had them in the house, and I'm sitting there, and I know that guy was hypnotizing me. And I had my finger on the Bible. The Bible verse was, you make him two, when you go and make a proselyte, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. And I remember it like it was yesterday, because I had almost been hypnotized when I was 18 in a bar in Fort Walton Beach. And my hand was going up, and, and uh, Travis goes, they got Doug, <clears throat> and it dropped back down. I wanted to be hypnotized. I was, do- I was focused. I was going to be hypnotized. Thank the Lord I didn't, because I probably would have been more susceptible. And then, when I was sitting at that table with the Mormons, I may have been more susceptible. But I wasn't. I just knew the euphoric feeling, and I remember it. So I was sitting there, and I didn't know at the time, but I was sitting there, and and, and I, I remember thinking, boy, these are good people. These are nice people. And he paused. And I went just like that. And I had my finger on my Bible because I was going to speak next. And I was going to quote that scripture. And I looked down and I read it. And God's word stopped it. And I looked up and I said, what about this verse? And I quoted it. I read it to him. You've ruined the Spirit here and we're leaving. Exact words. Are they, let me tell you something. If you believe hypnotizing people is a good thing to convert them to your religion, you're not moral. You're not righteous. But that's what was getting ready to happen. So just be careful when you look at the outward appearance because it's not always there. The pressure is for conformity and the pressure is great. I get it. And listen, you all are under the pressure. you got pressure at work. Listen, you can't say what I say here at work. Most of you. And you probably shouldn't because they're not paying you to go there and, and, and transform everybody. And you're, you're there because they pay you to do a job. You go do your job. Now, when you're at lunch, that's your time. Today, we we have that anti-nationalistic, globalist agenda. It's it's breeding uh, divisive ideologies, such as the atheistic and Marxist-rooted critical race theory, radical doctrines promoting abortion, gender reassignment, brazenly dismiss the sanctity and the dignity of life. That's what it's all about. God made you in His image. What are they saying? God made a mistake. 
That's what they're saying. And there is no mistake. God made you male. God made you female. God didn't mess up. It's all of God. And the last thing I'll say, silence allows evil to triumph. And that's what we need to watch. I will not be silenced. I am getting more bold as I go on. And I'm out there in the world. And if, if, if um, some people would listen to what I'm saying, they would probably say, I think we need to draw back from him because he's dangerous. He's controversial. I do not say one thing to be controversial. In fact, nothing I said is of any controversy at all. Truth is truth, and there's no controversy at all about it. Light is light, darkness is darkness, and we need to stand up for what's light, stand up for what's right, and not allow them to silence us collectively and individually. That's the way I'm going to stay until I lose my mind. Let's all stand together. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you'd have your will and your way. Lord, that you would guide, lead, and direct in all things. We love you for being such a gracious, merciful, and wonderful God. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. With your head bowed and eyes closed.